Hey Rugby Pick'em fans, it's BT. I just sat down with Charles Adjurista, the fly half for the Denver Barbarians, a man who does not lack any confidence whatsoever. We talked about his rugby career growing up in England, France, and eventually moving over here to Arkansas. Now, I know he may sound very confident, almost arrogant in the interview, but trust me, he's one of the most selfless people I know and continues to contribute to grassroots rugby every day as a coach, player, and mentor. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, Rugby Pickham fans. I'm here with Charles Adjarista. That's me. That is you. Yep. I don't know what other terms I should use to describe you because we're kind of going to go all over the other map. Other than my first name and last name. Thanks for sitting down and doing a rugby pick and Very comfortable seat. Good. Good. Well, Charles, where should we get started? I, I like to start with the present. Okay. Uh, you're currently just won a championship with the Denver Barbarians. Yeah, the national one. Well. It's a championship. I'm a championship. Well, hopefully one of many. Uh, um, it's the beginning of a legacy. Yeah. Either way. I got a bone to pick with you. How do you feel being a winner knowing you left 10 points on the board as a kicker? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is a big problem when you're a kicker and you're shooting 50%. Uh, you're not helping out your team in the important minutes. Uh, but I do feel, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I put in the work, everybody else put in the work, and it was an 80-minute thing. And I think that was the resounding, ultimately, message in the pre-games between the coaches and everybody that planned the game like it was going to take 80 minutes to win that game uh and sure it took 76 but you know we got pretty fucking close to it so um yeah 10 points off the board would have made it an easier opportunity but at the same time like flair for the dramatic <clears throat> yeah yeah we're in theatricals <laughs> no but it's um I get on kickers before. Look, I'm a forward, sure. so I have no stake in it. And, of course, yeah. I want to hold my kickers to a high standard, so I chirp at them when they miss. Yes. Sometimes I chirp. Sometimes it's so I, encouraging. Well, sometimes I, I build them up, short memory, yada, yada. What, talk to a young kicker right now mm-hmm. who might have that issue with not having a short memory, right? Who who, yeah. who holds on to a miss the whole uh-huh. game. I, like, I don't know. I like that to me, it, I mean, it's a life lesson ultimately out of it, uh, but you just can't like linger on a mistake and, and hold yourself back. So, uh, but when it comes down to the game, I think for me, uh, and I translate this every time I make a mistake on the field, whether I miss a kick or I kick straight out of bounds or I, I do something wrong, uh, I make up for it that like the next tackle is just going to be like that much more physical or um, I think that's ultimately how I express myself and uh, through physicality and the way that we play American rugby as a lot of happens between the six and 10 channel six and 12 ultimately that's where the rugby's played um, between the hashes as they say in the football world sure but like the hashes bring them in a little closer like the 15s yeah it's um and ultimately we want to get our wings involved more um we have incredibly athletic wings i mean we have some incredibly fine athletes that we can put into space um and ultimately yeah when you're on the sideline like to us it makes more sense when you're playing the game and you're like hey let's put it to the wing because he can run into it that's easy to say and the fact that it looks good while we're doing it which is the flair and attitude and um it's ultimately overrated but like it's just you need to overthink and i think um 
through coaching, those are, there are a lot of things that I, uh, I've learned. 80 minutes can be life-changing. We came one point difference. Um, I didn't do well in the kicks, 50%. I missed one more, and then we lose. Remind us what team you're talking about again. The Denver Barbarians against the Detroit Tradesmen, which was uh, a fascinating final of grit and will. And uh, I, I, I honestly, like, I'm extremely impressed by the mental strength and, and the fucking commitment that Detroit brought because uh, we had every advantage in that game. We play a wider game. They they don't. And they play close. And we're playing at altitude. And I've seen teams physically exhaust at the 60th, 70th minute. And to be honest, I didn't see a, a drop necessarily in their style. The second half was easier as a fly half on the field. Like, I wasn't being rushed as much. But... Fucking physically, they were still they were still very much there. Let's let's get off the barbell high horse because sure. we've been celebrating all week. Let's talk about our new brainchild. Yes, the Denver Lions. Mm-hmm. Tell the audience a little bit about what you've been doing with them. Well, so the Denver Lions has been a working project. It's part of the Tri Rugby League, which offers kids of any middle school or high school the opportunity to try rugby, literally try it uh, for a month and a half. Yep. Nailed it. And uh, so they have a month and a half of trying rugby. The majority of kids that we get on there are off-season wrestlers. We're not getting too many football players yet. But through that coaching, we've been doing it. So I've been doing it. I started four years ago when I tore my first ACL. So that, to me, rugby has been my life forever. And ACL surgery requires that you don't move too much uh especially in the recovery process so it was like you know so um i got the opportunity to start coaching the u13 14 and 15 lions uh ultimately the reason that all those three age groups are brought together is because ultimately the lack of kids um so we have on average i've coached 10 to 16 kids every summer for a month and a half so it's a very intensive program ultimately we see each other on monday wednesday and then we have games on saturday not to mention the most um theatrical age group i would say expressive a teen in from age 12 <laughs> to 16 is the most yeah. emo thing going well, how do so, you deal with that when they're just totally yeah. checked out and they don't want to hear uh-huh. the thing you have to say well so there's a clear transition in attitude uh that happens with this season so when the kids are in school and they come after school on Monday, Wednesday, because our practices are at 6 p.m. to 7.30, which for a 12, 13-year-old kid, he's already had a long day at school, and he's ready to go home, he's hungry, and whatever the boys at that age can possibly go through. But then, because tri-season, tri-league starts at the very end of May, runs through June, all of June, and parts of July, is that they get off school four weeks in. So we have... A constructive attitude for the first four months because they're in school and, and that's what they're regulated to do and now that we have them on summer break it's 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 difficult uh, because they they're not as challenged throughout the day mentally physically where it is so when they come to practice uh, two things happen they want to hang out with the boys who doesn't yeah and then they make 12 year old jokes <laughs> <laughs> which are which are actually some of the best but yeah. like you can't you know can't well, you go to one of these jamborees on the weekend and you Ooh. see the buy-in from the kids, the parents, everything, yeah. and 
and the people who ref and volunteer their time. Mm -hmm. What's the future of Colorado youth rugby look like? Uh, It's actually amazing. So I've seen it grow over the past four years significantly uh, to the point where we started with two leagues of eight teams. And now four years later, we have four divisions within Denver proper of at least, you know, at least two to two to four teams per age group in each division. So, I mean, you multiply that, it's, it's ridiculous and it blows up really, really fast. And so we have the athletes, we have the kids playing rugby and they're learning ultimately mannerisms. Basic skills. Yeah, absolutely. So you're familiar with the MLR? Um, I like to think so. Okay, perfect. So, you know, when you look at players like Maximo, Diashaval, Atamalifa, they're, they're athletes to begin with, yes, but they have a certain way of playing their rugby that you can't teach. These are the skills and ultimately like mannerisms it's just the way your body behaves in certain situations and so those are outstanding players so my goal ultimately is that skill you learned and i like i like to compare it to languages you learn a language and don't have an accent if you learn it before the age of seven and i think rugby is very similar in that way too if you're if you have the opportunity to start playing rugby before the age of seven you'll be fluent in that sport because Compared to other sports, where physicality, um, trick plays, can come into play and, and have a ser- like a very big effect on the results, uh, football, baseball, everything's calculated, everything's premeditated. Well, there's a lot more coaching involvement. That's why, of I course, mean. yeah, those yeah. NFL coaches make their fucking money. Gruden just signed a ten-year, hundred yeah. million dollars to the Raiders. Yeah, but he's gonna spend. How the Raiders gonna do that? He's gonna spend twenty hours in the film room every day trying to break uh-huh. down a little thing. A rugby coach at a certain point, and you yeah. know, I've seen this with the Lions. You can prepare your kids to play, yes. but at a certain point, you say, "Go get it done." Yeah, it's up to you. Football is this crazy stop, reassess type mm-hmm. of sport where the coaching is overboard. <laughs> well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's like, what was the emotion as a player? Like, so I've never played football. Yeah. Do you um, feel micromanaged as a football player? I'm sure some athletes do. I'm sure some linemen say, tell me what to do and where to block and love it. Yeah. But quarterbacks, obviously, you have that um, improvisational skill. But do you have like like a pyramid of society within a football team that you have the hard like? Of course, dude. Yeah, the quarterback makes twenty million. I'm yeah. talking NFL terms. Yeah, no, that, that, there's no way there's yeah. not a pyramid. And, and rugby, sure, money making fly halves like you yeah. are flashier guys. But in sure. club rugby, no one's getting paid. Everybody's here for the right. fun. We're here right. for the glory. Yeah. So I feel like we all cut each other down. So the team rugby, just so if you take out being paid, uh, where so the performance is ultimately everything that you provide, what would you say is the most developed position in USA rugby? Like uh, as a country uh, nationwide, and, and you count the, on the international field? players. Yeah, on the field, which one? So have you compared the way certain countries play? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've seen. Do you understand my question? No, no, like, I do. I do. Ones, yeah. I mean, let me comment. Sure. I see the way I watch Six Nations highlights. Oh, right? I can't hit the whole game film. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it's a war of attrition, right? Forwards, forwards, yeah. forwards. Tight, tight, tight. Mm-hmm. We'll break you down, and then we skip out to the backs. Mm-hmm. Super rugby, if those tens and centers want to go for it, they will go for it at any single time. And the super rugby skill is superior because, let's just be honest, like New Zealand is the cream of the crop. It's them and everybody else. The New Zealand Rugby Union steers world rugby. I think that mm-hmm. their style plays the best in the world. So I just I can't go against Super Rugby in that case. Do I think that 
Northern Hemisphere rugby is ugly? No, not at all. There's mm-hmm. still yeah. stud athletes out there. But oh, we right. just happen to use our forwards a lot more and play a safer style rugby. Now, I think North American and Island rugby have their own style. And I love... Separate from each other? Yeah. When you yeah. put them together? Well, I just... I love the Islander influence yeah. that they've had in the USA. I think that Tonga, Fiji... Mostly Pacific teams? Samoa. They where, make where they the land? U.S. so much better. They land on the West Coast yeah. and they, they drift east. And we've seen it in the guys we played in the PRP. I yes. mean, Mose Timoteo is a capped player, but he comes back, plays for gate teams like Golden Gate, Glendale, and plays well into his 40s and just yeah. gets amazing rugby. I mean, that's so good for our sport. Um, so I just shout out to Islander Rugby, Toko Uso. Um, <laughs> you've had, your question was, what do you think the most developed position is? In yeah, rugby? so on the field out of 15. Here's what an American with a football background translates the best to. Loose. Loose slanker. Six, seven, eight. In my opinion, if you played outside linebacker. What's his background in high school? What sports? I think that playing the offensive line gave me really good rugby skills what? in the breakdown. you got to use your hands. Yeah. Offensive line is you fast straight, hands, right? shooting. I mean, if you head, win. Head tall and just. Yeah. Winning, in front of you. winning inside hands is everything in football. Yeah. Um, but that, You do have ridiculously quick hands. And it's always bothered me. Especially when me. you like bully me or anything. Don't like it's me. just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like when you want to get physical, this thing, you stand tall. Which you are. Beautiful. 6'3". Developed male. Shout out. Cheers. Anyhow, you want to know why? Risk control. It's all about risk control. How single have you been? <laughs> Alright, we're going to cut all that. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> um, either way, I think the flanker is well developed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think so. And I think, again, like that's why everything happens between the 6 to 12 channel. If you tell a guy without a lot of rugby experience to make tackles and contest rocks, yeah. he's going to have no problem. Well, so, exactly. <laughs> like, bringing it back to youth coaching, like it is the most literal expression of advice that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And so, when you look at kids... So, right now, like I have kids that are trying rugby. These are not rugby players that put themselves out there because yeah. they want to play. Uh, these are kids that are giving it a try. And, and boy, I... Talking about shout-outs, like the the Denver Lions, and I've been coaching them for four years, but they have a certain attitude. For some reason, I don't know where we pull from, uh, but we have very undersized kids, and on top of it, because we don't have many of them, some of them have to play up a division. And between a 12-year-old kid and a 14-year-old kid who may happen to play in the same game, I'll tell you what, hormones do an incredible job. I will tell you, like there, it is. There is a significant sixty to eighty pound difference. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Yeah, sorry, let's go to your yeah, rugby yeah. past. Sure. So we're done with the present. Well, we can't we're never done with the, the present. The present's actually always ever. When is it? It's now. Uh, it's, yeah. Let's talk about your past. Where you came up as a rugby player. <sighs> Filed RFUC mm-hmm. in England, one of the old traditional powerhouses. Well, little do you know. They're spelled F-Y-L-D-E, but they're pronounced filed. Yeah. What were your first memories there? Um, so to me, I mean, it was, um, I was five years old. The year is 1996. Uh, I was born in France, and, and on Christmas break, we moved to England. Um, exactly that year. So moving into 96. We moved to England... Uh, private schools play rugby, public schools play soccer in England. Um, I believe the rest of the Commonwealth is similar. Um, and so I had the privilege of going to a private school in England and I immediately started rugby. I was five years old. 
And I remember very vividly, actually, it's funny because um, I don't do so well with memories in general, but... Uh, Clearly doing some memory suppression. Now, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just like a lot of things. Yeah, you just block. accept what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, now, Woodlands Memorial Ground, their home stadium, has a 9,000 fan capacity. Did you ever play in front of a sold-out crowd as a five-year-old? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the lines were booked, like it was standing room only around a small field. So, uh, just, you know, 20, 30 people can make that place intimidating. It's, no, but uh, as a fan, did you yeah. ever experience the sold out crowd there? No, I didn't. It's funny. Uh, so we, I think the club was going through more of a like rebuilding phase in that time. They may have dropped divisions at around. that time. Yeah. How uh, up to date are you on Files' uh, current? Honestly, with phase? all due respect, not much. Like I, Charles, I but... Charles, this last season in the National League One. Yeah. Filed came dead last. Okay. With a record of three and twenty-seven. Okay. Can you think of a worse season than twenty-seven losses? Wow. I mean, first off, that let's talk about the conversation that everyone's talking about. The English play way too much rugby, and their yeah. their union and the Premiership aren't connected. So anybody that plays for the national team uh-huh. does a thirty-game season plus the tests. Is that good for rugby? Is it bad for rugby? What happens when a player plays too many games? There's only 52 weeks in a year. Well, fatigue is one thing, but I think it, it allows him to think about the way he uses his body. And it ultimately makes the game much more cerebral, especially in England. You play 30 games a season. How often or how much are you going to rethink what situation you put your body on the line for? Because not only, I understand, like, you want to win every game. Like, every competitor is like that. But, like, realistically, you play 30 games in a season. You start prioritizing. Yeah, there are some hits that you may like, you know, be more or less generous with, and uh, and so I think that, and that's why ultimately when you see a Super Fifteen versus uh, Premiership Rugby difference, is the speed at which these athletes are willing to throw themselves at. Um, Super Fifteen it plays at an insane speed, but they're willing to just throw themselves at a wall, and they have maybe a 20 25 games like year how yeah. many yeah if that right so jason robinson came from there 50 yeah. plus caps bill beaumont was a british irish lions captain um down in south africa and uh, steve bainbridge played in world cups for london all came from filed what were your memories like there when you walked away from that club what did you gain as a player uh, there's a lot of tradition in there, um, but so th- that's the thing. So I played for my school and I played for a club um, at the same time. So I double dipped in rugby. Um, a lot of the the memories that I have really come from the very basic skills that they may teach a six year old. Um, and for the first three weeks of rugby, I immediately fell in love with it. It was clear to me that that was something that enabled me to like mess with people a little bit. Uh, but the first three weeks of rugby, as a six-year-old in England, I never actually saw a rugby ball. Um, the first very lesson was taught how to fall, how to roll, how to then tackle, uh, and then bring someone down with speed. So then you, you slowly start increasing the speed. So, yeah, and I think that's where the U.S. has a great advantage is because wrestling is ultimately very popular in middle school, high school, youth, 
Um, and, and the wrestlers do become the best rugby players that I've seen so far. So to me, as my background, yeah, I, I started playing defense, uh, the English traditional style of rugby that uh, will ultimately, you just, yeah, you don't let one man beat you. Uh, and if you want to win a rugby game, it's going to take 15 people to do it. And then we're going to grind through it. So You sound like Eddie Jones. I can't Hard believe that I do. English rugby. It, it is, and, and it's um, it's extremely respectful in the way that it does things. But it's uh, if if you want to score on my team on my family, uh, you you're gonna have to go through all of us. Yeah, we transition to yeah. France. Yeah, the year two thousand one, and uh, moved back to France. Uh, we moved to Bordeaux. And uh, my mother at that point has a choice. I'm a 10-year-old child fascinated by rugby. At the time, both my brothers were actually still playing. Uh, and so all three of us grew up playing rugby. They went different directions. And to me, I stuck with it. And I needed a club to play for. And in France, luxury allows that we have multiple clubs, multiple divisions, even at youth rugby. And so what it came down to, we had two big clubs uh, in the city in Bordeaux at the time. Uh, the first one is uh, the Bordeaux Etudiant Club, so Bec, B-E-C. Bec, yep. Le Bec. Traditional French-style rugby. And then we have uh, Begle. And Begle, at that point, they had uh, these like squared blue and white jerseys. Um, and they were like the empire. It was, uh, you know, join them and win or be part of the rebellion and get your ass whooped when you play them. Yeah. or and, and then, you know, enjoy. enjoy the Star Wars story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah, it's bringing it back there. So it's uh, it's an academy. They had an academy that started very young with youth rugby and produced a certain style of player. Which I have uh, to ask: Did yeah. you double dip like you did in England? Uh no. So so in England, you play sports in school, and then you get done, and then on you know during the week at night you can play club. In France, in public school, uh, all sports you get PE. And you, you do that, but there, there's no school sport. There's no team, no school teams. So all They the just sport, take time to teach you how to smoke cigarettes and... I'm a majority yeah, of it. Scallop uh, people. But no, like even when I moved to France as 11-year-old, I did 40-hour weeks in school, like Monday through Friday, 8 to eight to 5 p.m. And they give you half a day on Wednesday. So precisely for that. So Wednesday you do half a day, so you have club time after that. So you do a lot of your sports on Wednesday you have all of the afternoon off um so yeah if, if you wanted to pursue sports it was a club initiative on the side uh and and so there's major differences between the anglo-saxon teaching system and the french napoleonic education which one did you like better uh, i'm more successful in the british one. Oh, yeah hard man uh no it's just the french one it's extremely challenging it only accepts the best and uh and if you're not one of the best well you know you try to keep up and uh so it's an elitist society we you know we, we reproduce the best and <laughs> we only deal the best so well i've heard you say before that rugby is an art form yeah you sounded extremely snobby when you said it yeah. and i remember giving you shit for it yeah but you tell us what places. the french flair means yeah. how is it influencer game it's um it's think outside the box it's um ultimately grounded in the same education system it's um you know if if you want to succeed you got to be different or you just got to be very good at what they require you to do but um no there's a there's a nonchalant 
this kind of attitude to playing French rugby. Uh, it's mostly found, you know, when you're just playing touch with the boys and uh, you just try to be fancy and throw a pass behind the back, uh, you know, put a few kicks here and there, uh, do things without looking, um, which uh, is a, you know, high risk, high reward situation. Uh, we've had some glory days with French rugby uh, in the 80s, 70s, even 90s, the 98 World Cup, 99. Um Against the All Blacks, like that is, is that when they beat the All Blacks wearing the white jerseys? No, no, that was two thousand seven. Oh. That was quarterfinal in Cardiff, and there was a situation where somebody didn't want to wear certain jerseys, so they traded for shorts. I so thought everyone France was hosted matching. in two thousand seven. We did, but the quarterfinal was in Cardiff. Oh, mm-hmm. outside the borders. Yeah, we shared a couple. I think Twickenham might have got a, fi- a game or something, but no, that two- surprises me that. Yeah. The southern it was region a French of France workout. can't have enough host stadiums. Well, so what happened was that they, they hadn't planned for it. So, they um, didn't expect to get the bid? Or? No, the quarterfinals were scheduled for Cardiff, assuming that France would, France would win their pool, which I don't believe they didn't. So they lost to Argentina in 2007 in the pool, and ultimately later as well uh, in the third place final. But, um, so that's why. So... You know, if you schedule the thing, you assume France runs the table. They're playing at home, so they're going to play that quarterfinal in Paris, uh, which was one of the quarterfinals. But they lost the pool to Argentina. The men's would they? I mean, they played the All Blacks in the quarterfinal uh, in Cardiff. Got it. It's the France. It's the French World Cup. So we wanted to play with our blue jerseys. France uh, <laughs> on a certain Richie McCall uh, tackle pass that looked like a forward pass from French to French. He tackled Damien Trai when knocking the ball out, a forward pass to Michalak, who runs 40 yards down the field and offloads to Josion. But it's, um, yeah, that was reviewed. They judged there was part of the tackle and it wasn't necessarily like a big pass, but uh, that was a game changer. They're playing. We'll go a little off topic just because yeah. we're on World Cup now. Yeah. So France did have this little period where they own New Zealand, right? They knocked mm. them out of two quarters or no, two semis. No, it's um, it's not like a period. It's no, historically but World through, Cups through World Cups. That's what I'm saying. You can't even qualify France a period the... because they're four years apart. Yeah, yeah. But they exactly. pipped them twice. No, France historically have always been like a nightmare for New Zealand to play in the World Cup. Point that 2007 final quarterfinal, whatever that they played in Cardiff against France. You have a whole country. That decided to fucking play ball and they ruined us. Yeah. All right. Uh-uh. We, that was that game was not fun to watch and um, no, it was an ass whooping. Um, but it, it that that was their claim of fame to be like, hey, like what happened eight years ago. So Charles, you gained an immense amount of knowledge playing in France, but eventually your path leads you here to the United States. That's correct. Uh, the year is two thousand eight. Uh, of eight, I don't know what year that is, but um, 20k8, 20k08, 20k08. <laughs> That's the year. Um, it's we moved from Bordeaux, France to Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh. Uh, it is when Beijing is hosting the Olympics that start on 080808. Um, so we moved August 4th, 2008 to Little Rock, Arkansas. What was your house. first impression of American culture? Big. It's big. Um, like, we all knew how to speak English already, so that was fine. Um, in Bordeaux, we went through 
an American program in school. So I studied American literature and American history from sixth grade through 11th grade, ultimately. So um, I had background in what y'all were studying. So I had a few things to relate to, but uh, no man, Little Rock, Arkansas, 10 years ago now, it was, um, yeah, the cars are bigger. Um, the roads are bigger. Everything. So that's the thing. We pulled in. I think we were a little late. Uh, it was 11 p.m. Late August. So it's hot. It's humid. Very heavy. And uh, you've traveled for 24 hours and you're ready to go home. So we, we drive up to my father actually moved in April before and uh, we moved in August. So he had time to find a house. Fill the house with beds. And uh, then we would have a container of our stuff that would travel through boat over the U.S. and be delivered, which is a three or four week process. All right, get to the rugby. Oh, I'm sorry. When do you when do you start playing? Yeah, your American rugby club. How do you decide? how to mold in? No, so my dad's been there since April, uh, and it's a French company in Little Rock, Arkansas, and it's got a lot of French guys that come from Bordeaux, come from the South, come from France and play rugby. And so uh, the first week we're living there, my dad, I'm now 17, he just hands me a phone number um, of a guy and he's like, hey, call him and he'll set you up to play some rugby. He plays for Little Rock Men's Club um, and uh, check him out. So I give him a call, Aurélien Amendola, like you can, tu, tu toi, which is like you can relate to me, um, the same term. but. Uh, ultimately, so, you know, makes me feel really comfortable, introduces me to Little Rock Rugby. Uh, and uh, and there I show up, probably weighing 170 pounds. I might have been what, 5'10 at the time. And uh, long, bushy hair. And I play for Little Rock Rugby. Um, practices go well. Uh, I actually get the starting job at 10. Um, As a 17-year-old? Yeah. Telling grown men what to do. Um, not necessarily because there was a lack of communication, both physically and from my rugby experience. Well, that's the 10's fault. Yeah. Yeah. So they were, it was more, it was more reactionary than, uh, than me telling people what to do. Like I just did things that they didn't expect in Little Rock rugby at the time. Uh, and so I saw the field differently than, than most players and, uh, always had a heavy pack that would protect me. Uh, so it was, um. It was great. Like I, I just got to play some pre free flowing rugby. Yeah. And what do the guys think of you? What do they call you? Uh, you know, some I was the prince at the time. <laughs> team Prince. Team Team Prince. Now Prince Prince. I don't know Prince Charles. That's the thing. Like my name has changed also throughout my rugby experience. I personally take credit for the most recent nickname, Chuck, which modernizes you. It Americanizes you. It gives you that Arkansas kind of. Yeah. Down to earth atmosphere. You just, you just round my edges. Yeah, yeah. Charlie and Chuck. Not know. as sharp. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So after you play for the Stormers, it's mm-hmm. time to go to college. Yes, yeah, so parents send parents their play. little kid away, tears in their eyes. Yeah. And where did you go play? Arkansas. Arkansas. So, what? Razorbacks. Oh, Arkansas that's rugby. funny. What does it feel like to be the second fiddle of Arkansas college rugby? You're referring to Arkansas State. <laughs> No, um, the other club. Uh, no, that's a different funding uh, from schools. That's uh, Title IX labeled, you know, smaller schools to invest money in different areas. 
Tell Ar- us about your games. All right, I'll get off the trolling. <laughs> Me playing Arkansas State? Oh, yeah. I got my ass whooped on a general basis playing a bunch of South Africans. They had institution tuition in Arkansas, so that's a cheap, better level education that they could get. And it's, uh, yeah, it's an ass whooping. Uh, when you're playing against five South Africans, the same as me, you know, they've been playing since they're five, except they're huge. I don't know what they're fed. Uh, but Did you um, guys ever beat Arkansas State? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Not, not even came close. That's what's weird about the college rugby scene. I think it's so yeah. fractured. Like, it's great when you have clubs start up, but it's counterproductive when a college rugby club is playing over its head, is, is getting mm-hmm. pumped 60, 70, nothing. It, yeah. It's counterproductive to the soul. <laughs> So, Charles, let's play a game. Okay. College is always a fun time. Yeah. But we're going to play a game called Top Three. Mm-hmm. You got to win one game of sevens. You can pick any player in their prime, injury free, that you share the Arkansas Razorback jersey with in your four years down there. Tell us the why. It's like yeah. a, sh- a, sh- a shout out game. Yeah. Alex Carr, eight man, uh, my freshman year. Now actually lives in Colorado, too. So. He was at the national championship game. Um, TJ Christensen and uh, Timmy Hahn. Timmy, well, I forgot his last name anymore. Like, yeah, it's just... Timothy Jimothy. And his yeah. name is Tim Hannafy. That one, yeah, this guy. The, my, my roommate in college. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, Tim and I live together, but he's undoubtedly like one of the most reckless, free-flowing players. I've ever gotten the privilege to play with. Um, TJ is fucking just balls to the wall. We'll leave everything on the field. Uh, smart player. Thinks ahead of time. And Alex Carr, same thing. I mean, he's a Greek god, but actually turns out to be a fantastic rugby player. Great leader uh, on the field. And as a freshman, when I got to play with him, he was my eight man. I played ten for him in college, uh, which are extremely influential roles when you break rugby down, you know the spines of 2, 8, 9, 10, 15. Um, I had, actually, Tycoons is also another 9 that I would like to drop in there. Just um, Well, it's only top 3. But yeah, so... What's uh, the term? Uh, first loser? No. Uh, if you ain't first, you're last? Ju- just missed. Or... <laughs> There's a term where it's like uh, honorable mention. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's just slapping the face. Yeah, I know. It really is the most slapping the face term. About about you, but like, like you were in all state, but you were honorable mention. Yeah. First team honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chuck, we're going to the culture section in the interview. Ooh. I'm all about choice. So like you pro choice? Well, take it how you will. All the choices? I want to let you decide what your intro song and outro song is. Oh, God. What's on your uh, What's on your Spotify right now? What are you listening to? Jeez, I don't know. Give me some Toto's Africa. Just open things up. Just you know, an adventure, a sense of wilderness. Let the rains fall on the rugby pickum ears. Yeah, all the senses triggered. Good. All of them, eyes and ears. All right, we'll open with that. Uh huh. What are we outroing with? Right now, I mean, this Avana song, like Avana, Una, like yeah. <laughs> I think it's catchy. Um, no, if you want to finish things smoothly, um, as I typically do, I think you just give me a suavemente and a uh, uh, a small Latina Latina girl to dance with. Charles, you're known on the team as the social peacock. What do you yeah, say? Yeah. <laughs> what do you say to the haters who give you shit for your faux hawk, your uh-huh. colorful rompins, yeah. and your overall bright? vibrant personality <laughs> uh, i think it was a challenge um 
I, I endorse it completely. And, um, uh, I, I mean, ultimately, like, what would it be proving him wrong? Like, it's, proving him right is almost, like, worse, so... But our listeners have to know what yeah. self-respecting man wears mm-hmm. a girl's dress out to the bar. No, it never dresses. Um, it's a, ultimately a onesie. So the romp her is designed for her. You know, I have the romp him who is designed for me, actually. Not him. Uh, plus a zipper, which is I think is the first question that girls actually ask. Like, oh, how do you just go pee? I'm like, well, I got a zipper and you don't. Um, but uh, no, it fits me better than it fits, uh, you know. Most other people drop a line on that one. God, you're going to roast me. Oh, it's delicious. Charles, tell us, what does your rugby future hold? Uh, well, you know, knock on wood, staying healthy. Uh, they're sticking with the Denver Barbarians. I mean, when clearly, you say stay healthy, yeah, and yes, I did just cut you off. Yeah. Feel free to cut me off anytime. That's okay. You tore your same ACL twice. We actually recovered yeah. together when I tore my shoulder mm-hmm. and you tore your knee. Yeah. What's it like doing the same injury twice? Because that seems like more of a mind fuck than anything. Well, not necessarily because I really didn't do the first rehab well. Uh, properly respected my injury and rehabbed it to the level of sport that I play. Uh, so it was more eye-opening and allowed me to just do it right the second time, which I, you know, I hate fucking up and redoing something. But uh, that was, a, I mean, that was a really challenging moment and uh, a great life lesson ultimately but as uh, take your injury seriously do the rehab properly and stick to it it's it's very it's consistency is key at the end of the day and um yeah so i learned a lot from the first one i tried to come back after my first acl six months after surgery and um stepped on turf and blew it immediately so yeah i've uh, come back so injury like i understand what it takes now to be ready to play rugby at a higher level um consistently so i try to take care of my body and um so that's you know if everything goes well i get to keep playing um fly half of the denver barbarians for as long as i i can and and will so it's uh so we'll just keep grinding we it's great to win a national championship uh, but we haven't we still have so much to work on that that's what's exciting like uh we're not done yet and uh you know if everything's perfect you don't get scored on and you score a lot um so that that's now what we're chasing we're, improvement we need to be, get better year over year let's end with our rugby pick and bio haiku huh. do you know what a haiku is mm-hmm. are you ready to write one right now uh seven five seven five seven 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 five five seven five you want to open um, first line is always the hardest in my experience. Of course. Well, yeah, it just kind of gives you the rhythm. Charles, open up with the first line. With a haiku. Show us your French flair, your creativity. Oh, boy. Uh, it's, uh, we're going to do five syllables. This, um, jouer au rugby. Jouer au rugby. Au rugby. You heard of it? What does that mean? Playing rugby. Oh, that's a good line in French, too. Let's go seven syllables. Um, comes to south. No. Uh, French prince seduces Litterock. Fire. We got seven there. Right? Yeah. And lastly, social peacock stud. <laughs> Jesus, is that my cape? <laughs> is that what I carry around? 
That's uh, that's your rugby pick'em bio haiku right there. God, I bet it is uh, very descriptive. Ooh, I, I do have two more questions. Uh, yeah. Una pregunta. Casarse, follar, matar. El sexo, la cerveza, o rugby. Wow. En español, por favor. Sí, sin problema. Eh, alguien que quiero casar, follar y matar. Cerveza, rugby y sexo. Y el sexo. Bueno, eh, sí, me enamoro del rugby, follo al sex eh, y mato el alcohol. ¿Por qué? Porque lo bebo todo. <laughs> well, I hope you stay married to rugby forever. That's my religious views and political views on Facebook. Question suivante. Y a-t-il quelqu'un d'autre que vous aimeriez remercier? Oui, bien sûr. Euh, mes parents, toujours. Ça ferait pas de mal. Euh, mais non, tous les clubs de rugby dans lesquels j'ai joué m'ont apporté de grandes choses. Donc euh, non, c'est tous les gens avec qui j'ai pu partager un terrain, que ce soit des, des adversaires ou des gens de mon équipe. Et un bac. Avec le bec, avec Kajurak, avec Fylde, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, Denver, Barbarian. Any last name drops? Euh, non, pas nécessairement. C'est juste, euh, juste les gens avec qui j'ai eu l'honneur de partager un terrain. Oui. Charles, thanks for coming on Rugby Fickle. Thanks for having me. Talking rugby, telling stories, rugby pick'em. Parler de rugby, raconter des histoires. Rugby Pick'em. Hablar de rugby. Contar historias. Rugby Pick'em. Give us a call. Reach us at Rugby Pick'em. 970-645-6222. Why should they call? Powerful conversations to be had here. Uh, we all need, uh, we all have a fair share in the in the word, uh, 970-645-6222. Ultimately, mannerism. To my goal, ultimately, these are the skills and ultimately, like, ultimately, 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 There's an outrageous amount of confidence in this room right now, and it's outrageous. <laughs> 80 minutes can be life-changing. It's big.
Oh god, you're gonna roast me. Oh, this is delicious. You just give me a suavemente and a uh, Latina girl to dance with. 